This episode is brought to you by Progressive Insurance. Whether you love true crime or comedy, celebrity interviews or news, you call the shots on what's in your podcast queue. And guess what? Now you can call them on your auto insurance too with the Name Your Price tool from Progressive. It works just the way it sounds. You tell Progressive how much you want to pay for car insurance, and they'll show you coverage options that fit your budget. Get your quote today at Progressive.com to join the over 28 million drivers who trust Progressive. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Price and coverage match limited by state law. Well, of course, the players certainly haven't made it to St. Lucie yet, but at least the manager has. And thanks to Joel Sherman of the New York Post, we got a little sniff of Buck Showalter's classic Felix Unger tendencies out of that report. Buck owns this reputation. He says, I don't have an off button. I know it. I can be a little much. And I'm quoting here. So now that it's out there, we can start to discuss the fact that sometimes with the skipper, it can be less about the ERA and more about the OCD. And look, if the Mets were coming off an NL East three-peat in a World Series parade in Midtown, maybe we could take umbrage about the Unger. We could say as a fan base, who does this guy think he is to come in and worry about the spring training feng shui? Well, last I checked, the Mets haven't won squat since 2016. So if the buck wants to stop in St. Lucie and do a little cleaning while he's at it, I say, go ahead. Let us try and fall in line here on the podcast. Get every little nuance exactly the way it should be right here. We begin. Here's the theme song. Intro to On Time with Meticulous Perfection. Mets in the morning. Mets in the morning. Oh yeah, Mets in the morning Gonna tell you what the Mets are doing While coffee is brewing now Here's Josh Lewin Stimuli now Damn it 1992 was Buck Showalter's first year as a big league manager And in the 30 years since then He's only gotten deeper on the details It is part of the skipper's DNA Attention to detail to the point of aggravation But if the bunk beds in the barracks have been messy now for years, is it really a bad thing that the new drill sergeant always shows up exactly on time with his uniform cleaned and pressed? Josh Lewin with you asking that question. We'll get into the manager's ability to deep dive like it's a scuba run. Scuba? You scuba? Scuba? Uh, Of course, the rest of the coaching staff will be asked to police the proceedings as well this season and will be meeting Buck's chief lieutenant, In just a little bit, Glenn Sherlock has returned to the Mets as the bench coach after a couple years away from the club, working instead for the Pirates. He was kind enough to give us 10 quality minutes, and we'll share each and every one of them with you coming up. And we'll also run through the best seasons ever by Mets relievers today. We've done catchers, first base, second base, shortstop, third base, outfield. Now we're tackling the bullpen. And I know some of you literally wanted to tackle the bullpen last year, like go out and wrestle Jacob Barnes to the ground. But I I mean, we will get into best Mets relievers, leaving best starters for later in the month. Still no breaks on the lockout being lifted. I guess that's the big news. Hopefully there's a limited delay, if any, to the start of spring training. But all that slightly beyond the pay grade of podcast boys. So instead, we will get back into that Joel Sherman piece, which I really liked, about William Nathaniel Showalter III. And that's part of the twisty little push-pull regarding the manager's famous personality trait of attention to detail. If you say the full name like we just said it, you figure, well, of course he's all about attention to detail. Sounds like he's ordering the deck staff to drop anchor on the yacht. 
But the skipper doesn't go by Nathaniel. His nickname is Buck because he used to sit around clubhouses buck naked all day as a player. True story. He was raised not in Greenwich, Connecticut. He did not go to Choate. Uh, He's from the middle of nowhere, Alabama, and he went to Mississippi State. But the bottom line is that Buck has always been about doing things right. And by that, I mean being civil to one another, putting yourself in the best possible position to succeed. I don't know about you, but those are traits a manager of anything should have, whether it's a big league baseball team, a Fortune 500 company, or your neighborhood Taco Bell. For the uninitiated, it can take on the tone of the late Phil Hartman doing the anal retentive chef bit on Saturday Night Live. Uh, That, too, from 1992, when Buck took over the Yankees. Remember that? Hello, and welcome to the anal retentive chef. Today, we're going to be making pepper steak. Now, you're going to need one large bell pepper, three onions, exactly two inches in diameter, and 17 and a third ounces of lean beef cut into 43 pieces. Function and flow is what Buck told Joel Sherman all about as he looked over the Met Spring training setup last week. He wants to limit what he calls aimless wandering, which frankly is a bastion of spring trainings across the land. For example, he asked, which field down here should we be stretching on, allowing the shortest distance to actually get out to where you're practicing? Is the weight room lighting bright enough? Are the clocks and timers all set to local, not military time and synchronized so everybody's moving at the same time from one station to the next? He asked, why are there 10 warm-up mounds when that many pitchers never warm up at the same time? Wouldn't four or five warm-up mounds plus a flat mound and a half mound for injury rehab mean a lot less work for the crew that has to tend to all that? See, you and I might think, who cares about that stuff? But Buck sees all this and he says, we can do this little stuff a little better. He's basically an efficiency expert in a pullover. And personally, I'm kind of here for it because what else is there to do while there is no spring training? You know, you take a day, take some stock, you throw out some new ideas. Buck noticed the lack of distant signage on the outfield walls on the backfields. He felt players need them for judgment and better positioning perspective when they're tracking fly balls. He noted that while all the practice base running is done on turf in Port St. Lucie, you know, the major league season means dirt. So let's pull out the turf and put in some dirt. Buck is now the Mets' fourth manager since 2017. I guess five if you include Carlos Beltran. Looks like not only is the churn coming to an end here, but the art of fine detail is just about to begin. Buck's bench coach is about to join us, native New Englander Glenn Sherlock, 61 years old, former teammate of Bucks way back in their minor league days in the mid-80s. And while we can't yet introduce you yet to players with the lockout still bearing its ugly fangs here, we figured why not meet some of the men who will keep these players in line and help them become the best versions of whoever it is they are. So we start with Glenn with two N's. Massachusetts native, Glenn Sherlock, did you grow up a Sox fan? You, you must have. Oh, yeah. Big Red Sox fan. Carl Yastrzemski on those teams. Uh, growing up, George Scott, Jim Longborg. I mean, the 67, 68 Sox. Uh, you know, th- th- that's who we were. That's who we grew up rooting for. And that was the, those were the guys. You mentioned Carl Yastrzemski, the Hall of Famer. His grandson would end up going to the same prep school that you did all those years later back in Massachusetts. Mike Yastrzemski, now a star with the San Francisco Giants. How cool is that? You know, that is really cool because uh, <clears throat> I'm looking forward to talking to him. You know, we've, I've talked to we have mutual f- friends, but we haven't actually had a conversation. So 
I'm excited about meeting meeting uh, meeting him, and uh, I know he, where he grew up and going to the same high school. That's pretty cool. All right, so coming out of high school, you head off to Rollins College, a pretty terrific baseball factory down in Florida, but then you boomerang back to the Northeast once you begin pro ball. You're in bucolic Auburn, New York to get going, just outside of Cooperstown. Did you have an appreciation, Glenn, for that when you got your career going, that you were that close to the Hall of Fame? Yeah, that was that was cool. Uh, I, when I went to Rollins College, I played for a coach named Boyd Coffey, who was a former catcher. And came up in the Yankee organization, but just a first-class guy and uh, learned a lot. Um, but going into pro ball, you know, going to Auburn, New York, it was a great league and a lot of good players in the league. Uh, played for a manager who actually was a scout that signed me named Bob Hartsfield, uh, who was great. But we, we actually did go to the Hall of Fame that year on an off day, and that was incredible. What, a, what an incredible town. You mentioned Bob Hartsfield, legendary manager. You get going as a catcher for him in the Astros system, and they got catchers all over the place, kind of a roadblock, right? Troy Affanier and Robbie Wine was a first-round pick. How many catchers do they need in one organization here? I'm thinking you're asking yourself when you're in Auburn. Yeah, exactly. Uh, You know, Robbie Wine was the number one pick that year, so uh, he was going to play. So I mostly backed him up and DH'd a little bit. Um, so that was a little discouraging, but yeah, they, they, they were loaded with catchers. All right, so you end up spinning off to the Yankees after the Astros. You get as far as AAA. I'm curious about AA. You're in Albany Colony, not too far from City Field. Did you know at the time that those were the glory days? I mean, you got Stump Merrill managing. Kevin Moz is on that team. Hensley Mullins, Jim Laritz, Buck, of course. You guys win it all in 88. You beat Vermont uh, with Omar Vizquel and Ken Griffey Jr. on that team and the Mariners organization. Did you appreciate back then how cool all that was at the time? Uh, you know what? I think, I think I did. We, we really enjoyed those, those years. Uh, my, my wife and I, we, we think about that all the time and just the relationships that we, that we've made and the players and coaches around those teams. Uh, it, it was pretty special and certainly was a significant part of, of my career. And, uh, it's, it's something I'm so fortunate to have, to have, to have been with everybody there those years. What do you remember about those bus rides? You go on to Burlington, Vermont, and, and you know, back and forth to Pittsfield, Mass, and all these other places with Buck Walter and some other guys like that. What, what do you recall even now? Well, there, were, there were some long bus rides in the Eastern League there, going to, going to London, Ontario, and going to Canton, and, <laughs> you know, some all-nighters. Uh, but, you know, it's it's... You know, the minor leagues, it's where you build up that camaraderie and you build relationships and uh, you really get to know people when you're when you're on those buses and and on those long road trips. Um, But, man, that team in 89, there was some you mentioned some of those players. There was some there was some really good ones on that team. And uh, it was it was a competitive league that year. That was a lot of fun. You mentioned the bonding experience, the bus rides, sitting in dugouts. How did it develop that you and Buck sought out such a friendship and kinship? Uh, who sought out who in that dynamic? Yeah, that was, you know, uh, I was a player coach that year. And really, like like we talked a little bit about my career. It's pretty much a backup catcher, backing up uh, mostly prospects. And I, I could see the handwriting on the wall a little bit, but 
Um, I think it was, I was fortunate to be with the Yankees and they recognized me as maybe being a, a potential coach someday. Um, and I was really lucky to be with Buck because he's so good at fundamentals and just teaching the game and the strategy. I learned a lot that year. Um, and then I went on to manage a little bit in the minor leagues, but, you know, I was, uh, you know, we, we obviously built a relationship and, um, I, he gave Buck gave me my first opportunity to coach in the major leagues with the Yankees in 1992. So, uh, you know, he knows, he knows what he's going to get from me. And I think you have to develop, develop a trust and, you know, he, he knows me pretty well. When Buck was with you in 88 and 89, he tells a story about having to activate you on a night where it really wasn't in your best interest. You're supposed to be a player coach. All of a sudden you're putting on your cup. Uh, do you remember that having to get out there and go to work? Oh yeah, I remember it very, very well, and I know he 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 does he does also. But uh, you know, I was a player coach, so I would take BP and I would I would catch pens and I would stay ready in case they needed me. But I I was just learning how to coach. So we had Jimmy Laritz and Johnny Ramos on that team, and you know, it's better when you're coaching when they don't get to see you play. <laughs> <laughs> When Buck said, you know, I, f- I forget what the situation was, but he, he, he had mentioned to me a couple of times, he goes, I think I'm going to have to put you in this game. And I'm like, come on, Buck, don't put me in this game. You know, I had spent a long time since I played. And he's like, yeah, I think I'm going to have to put you in. You're going to have to catch. And I was like, all right. So I, I went out there and catch. We were playing the New Britain Red Sox because I remember Butch Hobson was the manager. And I was like, oh, man, this is this is not good. But, you know, I got through it. And luckily, I didn't have to get in at bat that game. Um but it was a lot of fun, you know, it's something to laugh about. But <laughs> All right, So a few years later, you mentioned that Buck takes you to New York, 94-95 for the Yankees' bullpen catcher. And at the Kingdome, all those years later, there's Ken Griffey Jr. again in the middle of a rally that ends Buck's tenure as manager. Don Mattingly's playing career ends on the Edgar Martinez double. You had a unique vantage point, I'm thinking, right, because you're in the bullpen. Yeah, my my recollection of that was just, I, I don't think I have ever been to a ballpark that was louder than the Kingdome that night. And you could not hear the phone ring when, when Buck or, or uh, the pitching coach would call down to the pen. You couldn't hear it. So you had to, you had to hold your hand on the phone to hear the vibration and, <laughs> and look down there to see if, if you were missing anything because there was no – you could barely talk. It was so loud in that ballpark. But – that was an that was an incredible series, and uh, man, Glenn, you know and I know one of the first things people talk about with you is the fact that you were Mariano Rivera's first ever manager in the minor leagues. And I'm curious, what did you think you had with him? Did you know that you had some burgeoning Hall of Famer on your hands? Uh, no, I did not know that. Uh, my 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 first thoughts were just a super athletic kid. He didn't speak any English. Uh, just Mariano was a very respectful, very polite uh, kid, but what an athlete. And, you know, in those days we had Hoyt Wilhelm as a pitching coach that year and he would, he would let the pitchers hit. And, you know, Mariano was a really good hitter. He was probably, he may have been our best outfielder, but he was a pitcher. So the thing that stood out to me was just, he was such a, a very well-rounded athletic kid. Hey, you mentioned Hoy Wilhelm. Was he still throwing that knuckleball <laughs> and making you catch it? <laughs> no, but we would talk about it. But it was uh, we had we had Hoyt was the pitching coach. We had Hopalong Cassidy, who was the first base coach. You know, Heisman Trophy winner for Ohio State. Uh, 
so it was it was a it was a really good learning experience for me. And you know, of course, we had we had Mariano Rivera on that uh, on that team, which was incredible. We had Carl Everett, uh, number one pick. So we had some good we had some Shane Spencer. We had some good players. All right. So the conjecture about you coming on as bench coach, Glenn, you got skins on the wall. You got all this wisdom. You're hooked back up with Buck, who, let's face it, is already so meticulous, as we've talked about. He knows the game 150 percent. So is there a part of you that's like, what is there for me to do as bench coach for a guy like this? I mean, he's got everything. You're an extra pair of eyes. But what are those eyes scanning for since you've got such a capable veteran partner in Buck? Well, that's a good question, and and I think those are things that I'm going to have to learn moving forward from Buck, and you know, getting down to spring training and seeing exactly what he what he needs from me. Um, you know, we've talked a little bit about controlling the running game and some stuff that's going on on the field, uh, but I think I think what I bring mostly is you know building relationship with the players, and this is it's this is about the players. So I think there's going to be a lot of give and take and a lot of communication. Uh, just getting with the players and building that confidence and that trust, um, you know, with our players. So that's something that I'm looking forward to, to doing as soon as we get down to spring training. Ah, yes. Getting down to spring training. Won't that be so nice? Thank you so much to Glenn Sherlock. Big welcome back to truly one of New England's finest gentlemen. Next, let's do a little pivot here. Let's do our look at best relief pitchers in franchise history. Something we've been promising, if not threatening, for a little while here. I will give you my personal take, which I know you asked for, in just a moment. Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. Best relief pitchers in the history of the New York Metropolitans. I got a lot of lefties on this list. And no Edwin Diaz, not on this list quite yet. I try to get it to a top five or six. No Mets closer has ever thrown harder, but too little time in the organization, too much inconsistency for now to merit inclusion. For me, I think you got to start at the top of the food chain with the ultimate New York alpha male. You got to start with John Franco. Holds the Mets franchise record, 276 career saves. Didn't join the Mets until he was 29, but he pitched effectively into his 40s. And given he's the team's all-time leader for innings amongst relievers and most appearances, yeah, he's got the most saves too, and it's not even that close, even all these years later. I know, the blown save in Game 6 of the 99 NLCS, uh, but also the strikeout of Barry Bonds the following October. Off the field... Clubhouse and community leader. He was the third of four captains in franchise history. How often is a relief pitcher a captain? Come on. New York roots both in Brooklyn and at St. John's. Mets Hall of Famer. To me, this is easy to choose John Franco as number one. Number two, I'm going with Tug McGraw. A Met from 65 to 74. He's actually the Mets franchise leader in war as a reliever. And he did his thing back in an era when saves weren't really that big of a deal. But he was the reason the Mets made it to the 73 World Series. They've been struggling through that summer, but after M. Donald Grant delivered that win one for the Gippers speech, 
It was Tug that told his teammates, you gotta believe. And that, of course, became the rallying cry. Tug did his part. He had a .57 ERA and 10 saves and three wins down the stretch. Only Mets reliever to throw 100-plus innings three straight years. Go back to the World Series they won in 69. Uh, game two of the NLCS to set it up. He had the final three innings of that game for the save in a pivotal game against the Reds. Most of you know the country star Tim McGraw is his son. Most of you know he was one of the funniest Mets of all time. When he signed his first big contract, he said, 90% I'll spend on good times, women, and Irish whiskey. The other 10% I'll probably waste. The Tugger died way too soon at the age of 59, and he is in at number two on our list. At number three, another lefty, Gimme Jesse Orozco. After coming over from Minnesota for the late career version of Jerry Kuzman, the enduring snapshot of the 86 World Series win, of course, is Jesse flinging his glove up into the air, falling to his knees, getting back up as Gary Carter jumps into his arms. Jesse actually shared closing duties back then with Roger McDowell, but over nine seasons as a Met, ranked second among all their relievers in war, second in adjusted ERA, third in win probability, fourth in saves, pitched until the age of 46 as one of the oldest players in Major League history and actually briefly rejoined the Mets uh, via trade in 99, but then they flipped him to the Cardinals for Super Joe McEwing before he could ever play another game in pinstripes. Jesse, like some of these other lefties we're talking about, bit of a practical joker, Bonus points for when he put eye black in the hat of Kirk Gibson, uh, Kirk's first day of Dodgers spring training in 88. That was brave. At number four, I'm going to finally give you a righty here. I'm giving you Armando Benitez, second all-time in saves for the Mets, fourth in war, fourth in strikeouts. Of course, his reputation falls a little short of what the stats say because of all those big blown saves in various Octobers. But uh, the career postseason ERA is actually two on the button. 43 saves in 01. That was a Mets single-season record until Familia broke it 15 years after the fact. And that gets us to our tie for number five. Jerris Familia certainly gets consideration here since he holds the Mets single-season record with 51 saves. And a lot like Benitez, he gets criticized for what he did not do, which is convert save opportunities in big moments. Games 1, 4, and 5 of the 2015 World Series, for example. Also failed to keep things tied in the ninth inning of that wild card game in 2016. But let's put him in a tie with Billy Wagner here. A borderline Hall of Famer as Billy Wagner gave the Mets three all-star caliber seasons from 06 to 08. Got a list of players on honorable mention that's pretty long and probably starts with Roger McDowell. I put Seth Lugo on here because he's quietly been one of baseball's best relievers the last couple seasons. Randy Myers and Pedro Feliciano, two of the best lefty relievers ever for the Mets, and they were on winning teams. Turk Wendell can't be overlooked. Not easy to overlook Turk anyway. What with the licorice and teeth brushing and shark teeth and whatnot. K-Rod, J.J. Putz, Skip Lockwood back in the day was a fine late-game reliever. Anyway, not an easy piece of terrain to cover here, figuring out best Mets relievers, but hey, I gave it a shot. And, you know, for this I should be commended. Finally, on the pod for this week, I got some tidbits for you, some Metzelanius, some Metcetera, as various publications have put it over the years. Fangraphs has its annual predictions out. They crunch all the analytics and stats, the tape holding their glasses together like Robert Carradine and Revenge of the Nerds. Uh, they got the Mets at 88 and 74 as currently constructed coming up. That would be two games behind the Braves in the NL East and in play for a wild card spot. They got the Cardinals at 89 wins in the Central, one game ahead of Milwaukee to take that division. 
They got the Dodgers at 94 wins to take the West four games ahead of the Padres. They like the Yankees, White Sox, and Astros in the AL. And the forecast for the worst record in baseball, the Pirates at 68-94, doing it without Glenn Sherlock now, and that I'm, I'm sure is why. Also, to report here for you before we're done, three fireworks nights planned for City Field this year, coinciding with Memorial, Independence, and Labor Days. Mark May 28 on your calendar, July 2 and September 2. Got some retirement news for you. Uh, Former Mets first baseman Adrian Gonzalez, about to turn 40 years old. He's officially said that's all, folks. He had entered pro ball in the year 2000, was drafted number one overall by the Marlins, on to the Rangers from there where he'd make his big league debut for Buck Showalter. Adrian Gonzalez, a five-time Major League All-Star class guy. We wish him well. And speaking of class acts, finally, although Hugh Quattlebaum was replaced by Eric Chavez as the Mets hitting coach, uh, well, Hugh is back to his original role as Director of Hitting Development. Good to hear he is still in the fold. Music is up. We are out. We'll be back with more next week for a podcast that will be, let's say, between 2 and 20 minutes, as the weather forecasters told us about the snow. Your Mets in the Morning House Band on the way out. Got to thank them before we go. Don't you love them? On keyboards, Keon Broxton, Sapping to Bass, Mike Baxter. The horn section, that's Fernando Martinez. And kicking out that downbeat on the drums, Bruce Bereni. This is Josh Lewin. Appreciate you tuning in. We are once a week until March, and then we're going to, oh, increase the frequency, Kenneth. We, We will get there for you on a daily basis, Mondays through Fridays, starting in March. But for now, enjoy the rest of your February. Enjoy the rest of your day. Take care. Be good to each other. Let's go Mets.